Um, I'm sitting here with the founder of To Write Love on Her Arms, um, Jamie Tukowski. Tukowski. I got it. You did it. <laughs> That's the one thing I'm always nervous about is like either saying the band name or individual's name. Because I'm just like, you have one job. <laughs> and then anything from that point on. We got it. You got it. We got it. All right. So the foundation that, that is To Write Love on Her, Her Arms is probably one of the most important foundations to my heart. Um, it's, it's serving a larger body of people that typically feel as if they're alone, that typically feel as if there's, there's no one out there to help them. And the, the organization is so out there and it's been going strong for the past like 10 years. And it, it, it's an awesome story about, about human resil- resilience, um, helping other people. It's wonderful. It's fantastic. And I am so incredibly happy to be sitting here with you today. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. So what brings you up to New York for, for starters? Kind of having a bunch of these conversations and you know, you and I were talking a second ago, but my trip was booked before the election and you know, it's always cool to get opportunities to talk about the work we do, to talk about hope and help and compassion, but it feels even more important this week or this moment in time, you know, when a lot of people are afraid, a lot of people are heartbroken, a lot of people are uncertain. And so I'm, I'm basically having a bunch of conversations like this and then taking walks and being happy to be in New York, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, it feels extra special just because of what's going on in America right now. Absolutely. And, and it's wonderful to have those different outlets because a lot of individuals were just like, I've been seeing a lot of um, dark news and it's something that doesn't really cross your mind is that the amount of fear that's for, for the future really has an impact on these individuals or, or any of us. Totally. I mean, you got people, yeah, just wondering if this is like a scary movie right for and then you got other people celebrating and and so that's a in my mind like it's all and you know i'm 36 and i feel like the only other moment i remember that was this that kind of had a similar weight was 9 11 Mm. but 9 11 we all agreed like there wasn't much debate you know like we all agreed this is this is awful and we're mourning and so it almost has a little bit of a 9 11 feel except this wild reality that half of half of us basically disagree with the other half. And so to me, I've never experienced a time exactly like this. Mm-hmm. So it, it's new, it's new for, for a lot of us, but I mean like organizations like, like, like the Shells with them, to write love in their arms, Caught with a bunch of other strong individuals within the music scene or like, like within different oncology scenes, you know, like they're making the, the support line very out there and open so that we'll be able to get through the, these, these times. Yeah, you know, we've learned uh, there's some headlines that say that, you know, some suicide hotlines are the busiest they've ever been. There were crisis hotlines backed up, you know, the night of the election and the following day. And so the need is pretty undeniable. You know, and and uh, as 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 we said, like we want to figure it out. We want to, you know, we want to get through the next four years. But we we're gonna have to help some folks get through today, and get through, you know, tonight and really this moment, and just remind people that uh, that they're loved and that there's a place for them here. Mm-hmm. So today's point is is gonna be um, just getting to know to write love in her, her arms for those individuals that, that don't, don't know and just for everyone that remembers the, the brand and still love, loves the brand to kind of get um, reacclimated with it again because yeah. I do, do know that um, just for my, myself, you know, life has gone on and we've gone from wearing the merch and like, you know, having the, the wristbands especially I remember um, 
to still having those mentalities, but then still going on thinking that, you know, I'm a strong individual. I'm, I'm older now. Sure, sure. Like that was my younger self that needed that. Mm-hmm. But it's not, it's been neat to, you know, we're open to whatever anyone's journey is as it relates to us. You know, obviously the hope is, the hope is not that people struggle, but oftentimes in, in seasons of struggle, it's when people appreciate the work we do the most, you know? So it's, it's kind of cool to see, as you mentioned, people reconnect or even realize how, wow, these guys are not just still going, but actually still going strong. Yeah. It, it, oh man, especially within the past few years, um, I'm, well, you know what? We're going to get into all, all that. I'm going to go through yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, you got the, it. I, I have notes and I'm going to stick to them. Go for it. Um, so to start, I mean, let's, let, let's go through the, the beginning of To Write Love in Harms. I mean, from the way that the story was conveyed, it was kind of this, like, you just found yourself with, with this foundation. Yeah. I mean, really, and prior to the foundation, it, I love that we had this humble beginning, this really simple, small beginning where I was renting a room from a friend in Orlando. My buddy, his, his story was one of addiction and recovery. And as I was getting to know him, he was in a really healthy place. He had been through treatment and he became a big brother to this gal Renee, who I had never met at that point, but who is my friend today. And she was denied entry into a local treatment center and lived in our living room for five days. And David, my buddy, was really the leader. He had walked those roads. He he knew about treatment. He had been to treatment. And so he he was the one we looked to and that she looked to. And I was more the observer and, and just tried to be, you know, kind of an encouraging voice and also just wanted to learn because I had never had an encounter like this. I've never had you know, conversations like this. And I ended up writing a story about really that five days of getting to know this girl. And, you know, it's, I try to avoid saying it went viral, but it went viral like that, you know, it kind of took on a life of its own. And Mm -hmm. the cool thing that happened from, from then to now is just that we realize so many people relate to what my friend Renee has lived through. They've been there. They are there. They may find themselves there. They know someone, maybe they've even lost someone. And just that so many people struggle and so many people aren't sure if they're allowed to be honest about it and aren't sure if they're allowed to ask for help. And so it's just been amazing to be a part of that conversation for 10 years now and and, uh, really to be a bit of a broken record telling people you're not alone, your story matters, your life matters. If you struggle, it's okay to be honest. And if you need help, really top of the list, if you need help, it's okay to ask for help. And by the way, there's, there's great help, there's great resources that exist. And we've been doing that for a decade and uh, it's kind of a fresh wind for us and for me right now just because there's such a, such a need for it. We're reminded, especially right now, that there's such a need for it. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the cooler things that was um, coupled alongside with the story, with the homegrown story, was that reason you guys had the opportunity to make a movie um, or like a biopic about the story and while you're able to convey the story I think that it it really resonates a lot more when we're able to see the entire reality that goes along with um, addiction and and with depression and how it affects everybody yeah because of course we have the the subject that it it happens to or or the the individuals but then like seeing the frustration from other individuals that that are right there um, wanting to help and then individuals feel betrayed from their friend and 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 that's so real Mm. and it it adds like that much more sincerity saying like no this shit is very very real it it, it's yeah yeah yeah. 
No, it's it's interesting. I, I've been thinking too. Like, you know, I meet people over the over the last ten years. I meet people maybe on a plane, and you talk about what you do, and it's kind of like, oh, nonprofit, that's nice. Oh, mental health, that's nice. Uh, but essentially, we we talk about love and compassion and hope and. Uh, to me, there's a different weight to those things because we're being reminded that that hate is real. Like that we live in a world where there still is judgment and racism and hate. And to me, it makes it feel that much more important to be talking about love. As simple and almost silly as that sounds, it's like if there's if there's real hate, then there's that much more of a need to be talking about love and making sure people know that they're loved. And so it, it, to me, it's like, it's wild because we're, we're going to keep doing the same work, but I feel like we live in, just so much has been shaken up and is coming to the surface. And uh, it, it's interesting that we have to live in a day where we have to remind people that racism is unacceptable. And yet clearly we do right now, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I'm learning, you know, I'm thinking about things I never gave a ton of thought to, you know, and... I want to, as I guess, like a leader and a communicator, just try to bring people along. And, and you know, as a team, we want to make life a little bit easier, a little bit more comfortable and remind people that life is worth living. So anyway, I'm rambling, but... <laughs> no, no, it's a beautiful thing to, to, to... Especially know exactly what you're talking about as well. Because it shows individuals, like, like, of course, like, you could be considered on a very, um, on a very small scale, um, like a, a leader or, yeah, yeah. or a, fi a figure head. Individuals would be like, oh, that's, that, that's you. But like you've done your TED Talks, you, you've gone through and you've done many other talks at different colleges and you know exactly what you're talking about. So it's relieving to know that, that this comes from an individual that's gone through this. Yeah. It's, it's, a, solid, it's a solid thing. Thank you, man. But yeah, it's absolutely. also, it's, man, it feels, I don't know, it, it's cool. I feel like I've never spent so much time thinking about people whose lives are different from mine, you know what I mean? And I'm aware that we attract and hear from folks whose lives are probably different from mine, but it feels important. And I feel like if there's a silver lining to the last week, it's just, I'm thankful to be thinking in those directions. And I don't want to offend anyone, but if I have to offend people at the other end of the spectrum who want to, you know, defend their vote or maybe explain why it's not so bad like if I have to choose between the two like I, I just want to try to deliver compassion to the people who need it most right now you know Absolutely. and it's really cool to see that the rest of your team as well have been able to oh goodness <laughs> balloons are popping over here ladies and gentlemen so it's, it's interesting to see that your team also is able to um, have the same mentality as you with answering over what eighteen thousand emails and messages that they're coming oh, no, no. through. It's, it's over one hundred and eighty thousand. Hundred eighty thousand. Another zero in there. Yeah. Oh, maybe excuse me. But but yeah, that that that's insane. Like like yeah. that's a lot of individuals that that feel comfortable with yeah. and, and and just and and wanting to look to you guys. Sure. And your team has been doing a fantastic job for individuals to continue to use that as a lifeline. Thank you, man. It's, yeah. it's interesting because people try to quantify it, which makes sense. We're a charity. We, we use numbers to understand things, but people are like, how many people have you helped? And it's like, we'll never know exactly. You know, like there's, there's over a million on Facebook that have pressed the like button. There's emails, messages, people that have sat in the crowd, people we've handed a card to at the Warped Tour. 
and uh, and we'll never know exactly. And I, and I feel like I'm okay with that. But as it, there's a bunch of numbers that indicate, wow, this is who would have thought that it would spread, that it would grow. You know, that you try to help one person and it would resonate and make its way out to all these other folks. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful thing that it's 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 a tough testament. I'm gonna relax a little bit, like, oh, it's a great thing, because it really is, and, and just to see the amount of individuals that continue to come back and continue to tell their friends, and the word of mouth works so well as long as, as the machine that helps works. Yeah. So that's, that's a beautiful thing. Another one, one of the points that I, I loved about the website in itself, which I didn't even know, was that you guys have the blog posts mm. that go up frequently. Yeah. It, it adds more pillars of support because you see other individuals that are going through the same stuff. Sure. And it's interesting because um, a lot of people want kind of the nuts and bolts. Like, okay, where does the money go? How do I get help? How do we do referrals? And it's easy to forget that there's such, there is value in being a source of hope and inspiring people and encouraging people and telling stories that help someone else realize they're not alone inside their story. And you know, we started as a blog. I mean. It started as one story that went up as a blog on MySpace. Huh, and so yeah. the blog is, has really always been the heartbeat. And, and years ago, it was just my voice. And now there's you know, so many other voices. And so it's cool. It's cool to realize that is foundational to who we are. You know? mm-hmm. so, so that's the history of To Write Love in Our Arms. And I kind of want to now kind of switch the conversation and to now see how the brand works with today's problems. Um, I know we were discussing the, the recent election that that's happened, and I think a, a lot of um, different opinions and mindsets have been placed online, and it's easy to be able to, to find um, hate or able to, to, to find such strong oppressing views from other individuals that it could take a toll me- mentally, but in the same token, we have these digital outlets like to write love in her arms, um, and other publications that, that are able to bring solace and, 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 and comfort to other individuals. But in the, the digital age, do you think that it has become more of a, a um, lifeboat or, or a life jacket? Yeah. Or has it done a little bit more harm? Man, it's funny. I've been having a bunch of these conversations and that question comes up in almost every one. Hmm. And I really think it's both. Like... Social media is good and bad. Social media can be used for good and bad. The internet is full of good and bad because people, right, are full of good and bad. And so I wouldn't be sitting here with you if not for social media. We got our start and we took off and grew because of social media. We still use it every day to send a message of hope and help around the world. We reach people in countries I'll never visit, in countries they don't speak English, in places where we don't know anyone and we get to see the best of social media. But as you touched on, there's there's another side of it. There's bullying, there's ignorance, there's hate, especially right now. I mean, that's always been true, but especially in this moment in time. And, and so I think we like to remind people the need for balance, you know? Um, you can't live your whole day staring at your phone, you know? Even if you're reading good stuff. If somehow you're avoiding all the negativity you still got to like be a person and put your phone down at some part of the day and like interact with other human beings and get coffee with a friend. And if you're struggling, maybe sitting with a counselor. So I think it's not an all or nothing conversation. And, and 
sometimes we surprise people because they expect that we're trying to create this like online utopia where just come to our Facebook page and you'll be safe. You know, come to our Facebook page and you'll have everything you need. And that's really not the case. We want to be part of the process and we want to be something like a bridge. But there's almost this irony of saying, hey, at a certain point in the day, you got to look someone in the eyes. you got to have real conversations. Nothing's better than face-to-face. Nothing's better than that close proximity and consistent, honest relationships. You can have online friends. There's, you know, it's, it's not this all or nothing, but I think we, we want to be part of it, but we'd love to point to counseling and, and treatment and also real relationships that happen offline. Yeah, so it's, it's, you guys are wanting to provide a, a comfort space, but not let it take the place of, of other positive outlets as well. Yeah, and I think too, if you need real help, uh, there's, there's counseling that happens, there's crisis intervention that happens using technology and certainly online. But more often than not, you know, how most people do therapy is they basically do what you and I are doing and they sit in a room and have a conversation and one of them is uniquely qualified to ask great questions and to kind of lead the other person through this process. So we love to point to that, kind of keep coming back to that face-to-face. And a lot of times the way a therapist will do that is they have to see you in person first and you establish that relationship. And from there, if, if you have to travel or whatever it may be, then you can Skype. Or then, but you, you're falling back on that real connection. So, so it's more like, so you guys are providing the, the, the tools. Yeah. You guys would be like the, the store to help cope with everything. Yeah. Everything. I mean, I, I use that bridge metaphor a lot because yeah. um, a lot of people are taking the first step in our direction and we want to help them take the next step in the direction of a support system or professional help. And again, it's not a one or the other. Like hopefully we can always be you know, you touched on the blog. Hopefully that blog can always be inspiring. Maybe you save it in your favorites and you come back a couple t- times a week. Uh, we want to be a source of encouragement. We want to be a source of inspiration. We want to be a source of resources. Um, but we don't have to do it all. You know, the, I love that we point to counseling offices around the country and even outside the country where we're trying to point to people and places where folks can have these life-changing conversations. That's been fantastic, and it's, it's wonderful work. Um, another one of the, the points that I wanted to touch on was you guys do receive so many messages asking for help, and how do you prepare your your um, counselor, or, or like, like your in-house team, your, yeah. your routine on how to deal with so many issues? Yeah, so there's, you know, there's training that they go through, Uh, There's a lot that we've learned over the years. It's certainly not this copy and paste like algorithm, but there are, we get so many of the same questions that we've been able to have answers that evolve, you know? So if these things come up over the years, we've figured out, hey, we we think this is our best answer, you know? And so a lot of times people are kind of working off of something like that, some sort of template, but personalizing it. Uh, but specific to the team, and, and a, a lot of it is actually our interns. So we have, you know, a staff of roughly 14, and then we always have six or seven or eight interns who are 
usually college students or folks just out of college that come for a semester, go through training, live together, work together. Hmm. But one thing I love is they physically sit side by side. And, and so if, if someone's reading something really heavy, they have literally next to them on either side that person, you know, not just to lean on, but to say, hey, can you look at this? Can you have a look? I'm, I feel stumped. I'm not sure. If someone needs to take a walk because they just, they read something heartbreaking or maybe they just responded to something, uh, it feels like a healthy environment. And, and we try to, you know, we don't, we got to value not just the person sending the message, but the person responding to the message. And so I think there's trying to, trying to value self-care, not just for the people we hear from, but for our own team, which includes our interns. Mm-hmm. And certainly, you know, 10 years into it, we've, We've tried to learn along the way. So, so a lot of that's from knowing that these messages do carry a weight and knowing that you're going to read things that are heartbreaking. And so how do we not just care for our audience, but care for our own folks? That's a beautiful one. Like I, I couldn't, because I, I tried to put it into my, my own shoes and think like, I try and be there for all my, my friends when I can, but to see the amount of, of, of messages that, other people are able to take, take on that must be tolling yeah no absolutely and um, and I think that's why we try to encourage you know people taking breaks people taking care of themselves if you need to take a walk if you need to have a good, a good cry if you need to go to yoga if you need to go home early like we gotta you gotta take care of you and we wanna help take care of you because it is you know these are these are young people that care because it relates to their story. Um, so I, I wanted to, to also get a little selfish as well. Um, with a lot of the individuals that I work alongside, um, a lot of people within the queer community, a lot of people within the um, person of color community, and also like the trans community, like all like all those different communities that have recently, I, I would say probably within the last like six years or the last five years have really been getting more vocal yeah. about their issues because their feelings a little bit safer to come out totally and to, to ask for for help or, or yeah. to just be themselves which is part of why this moment is so hard for a lot of people right like you, where I bet a lot of folks you hear from are going wait are we are we going backwards you know mm-hmm. like it, they felt safe and now they wonder am I still safe not to cut you off just a thought oh no you can cut me off whenever <laughs> it's all good um so, so when when it comes to the right love in our arms, because like it did start as, as an initial like um, um, drug addiction, um, suicide, and um, depression kind of kind of yeah. thing. But how has it evolved with the times, and to be able to to handle properly when individuals of a little bit of, of a minority group come and ask for help? Sure. Well, you know, I think I think at the end of the day we hear from people dealing with pain and I think that's always been true and I think some of the folks you're hearing from and talking about they, they're they experiencing a pain that I might never feel as a, as a white guy with a little bit of money in the bank, you know um, and so I don't know that it that it's all that new for us because I think to, to want to bring a message of compassion whether it's someone struggling with depression or addiction, I think if, if you back up and kind of zoom out, the question that it all hinges on is what do I do with my pain? And we might, that pain might, my pain might come from a different place or circumstances than yours, but the, the, 
like we want to value and include all these folks, you know? So, um, and it's been, you know, it's something our team is proud of. It's something I'm proud of is that we hear from folks in, in some of these other communities, in some of these specific communities. And I love that they feel safe coming to us, you know? Um, there's even, you know, you didn't ask, but there's, there's a sort of this cool thing for me that there's some Christian language that shows up in the story that I wrote that we grew out of. And I love that we haven't been pigeonholed as this Christian charity. Um, and it's, I'm not saying that in some anti-Christian way. What I, what I'm getting at is I just love that, uh, we can do our best to create a safe space that feels inviting for people who struggle, period, you know? So like, no matter what the cause of your struggle or your questions or feeling isolated, um, that we would be a place that, you know, offers resources and offers comfort. And, you know, we, we point to places like the Trevor Project and these, um, so we're not, we're not, we don't have to be the best at everything, you know? So I think we love to also point at the work that other folks are doing. And um, I got to meet Matthew Shepard's parents a few years back. Uh, we, we were a part of something called the American Giving Awards and, um, you know, for me, it was a it was a privilege. Like we we won the grand prize, we won a million bucks, like on national television. But such a such a amazing takeaway for me was was just getting to spend some time with his parents, and um, and so I love that we've gotten to know some people that have devoted certainly their careers, but a big part of their lives to some of the folks that you're talking about and some of the folks that you care about, and um, and I kind of kind of touched on it earlier, but I'm thankful to be in a place of really trying to think about how do we bring love and hope to the people who need it most right now. And, and logically, if you're living in America and you feel unsafe and you're not sure you're welcome, even literally welcome, like physically welcome, then those are the folks we have to think about the most right now. And those are the folks... Like I'm, you know, it's kind of like hope is, hope's a bit of a lie if it's not for everyone, right? Or if it's, if, if it's hope, but it has an asterisk and yeah. like, I, I don't want to just be this thing that's white people hope or, or like, you know, hope if you go to the warp Tour, like, I, you know, it's like, I, yeah. we're trying to, um, I don't know. I love that this conversation transcends the labels that we put on people and, the boxes that we kind of try to organize folks by. And I'm thinking about it now more than ever. And, you know, I'm a guy, I grew up in Florida. I grew up a Christian. And I remember as a kid thinking, if you're a Christian, you just, you vote for Republicans because Republicans are, are good. Um, and that's not like, it's not meant to be this drastic statement. I'm just saying that's how I grew up. And, um, and I've come to think differently. I've come to think that it's not quite that simple, you know? So it's super hard. I don't think any of us like the stuff we're thinking about and wrestling through, but I'm, it at least feels like it's worth my time and energy, especially with the work that I do to, um, to try to figure out, man, if, if some folks feel unsafe right now, how do we do our absolute best to to, to make Tourette Love on Our Arms as safe and inclusive as possible. Mm. It's a really long answer. <laughs> but it, it's incredible, though, because it, it, it's, 
is that much more reassuring that everything that we've grown come to, to love about to write love in her arms is staying alongside with everybody. Like, yeah. like, like especially when, when you said with um, the Christian aspect, that's not a sector that I'm a, that I'm a part of in, in, in a way. So to also know that it facilitates everyone and it looks to also include everybody. Because we can always look at a brand and say, oh yeah, they're doing the best for everybody. But then also like on a, on a, on a, a bash like, and it's like, no, they're kind of not. Yeah, but yeah. just seeing here, it's like, yeah. it actually is. When, dude, I think about that statement that Donald Trump ran with and, and people are wearing those red hats. It's like, all right, make America great again. You guys won. What does that mean? And would we all agree that it's not great unless it's great for everyone? Like, it, it's definitely not great if it's an asterisk, like, oh, it's great, but you're not invited. Oh, it's great, but um, there's no room for you here, or, or I'm allowed to hate you or judge you. It's like, that's not great, and that's not a great America, and it's not a better America. So I think my hope is for people who voted different from me is that they're at least willing to wrestle with that. If you like that phrase or that statement, make America great again, mm -hmm. would you at least be willing to wrestle with what does that mean and what does that look like, not just for people who look and think and believe and behave exactly like you, but, but what does it look like for some folks who you may not know anything about and may not be friends with? And I've had a few conversations with some white friends back home, like just kind of challenging them and I'm not, there's no point in us trying to, there's not going to be a revote as far as I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm not, me changing their vote isn't the point. It's like just saying, hey, do you, do you know any people who are super different from you and who feel differently about this moment in time? Mm -hmm. And uh, to me, that just feels like a, like a healthy perspective right now, you know, and I don't pretend to be the expert and I have to acknowledge my own white privilege while I do it but it's like I feel like I'm supposed to be thinking about this stuff right now mm -hmm. so sorry your podcast going to be like six hours long oh no it's about we're going to the tail end of it so it's no problem <laughs> um, one of the other kind of like final questions that I had was we, we have all these tools that are available for individuals going through um, suicide um, thoughts um, depression and addiction and things along the lines of that but what can allies do to help those individuals that are going through a lot of this? Because a lot of can take personal offense to like, you know, things that goes through an addict's mind or, or an individual that's going through their season of depression. They're not their complete self. Mm. So it's like, what can allies do to help better their, their friends? Yeah. I got a friend who is a professional counselor. He's a mental health professional. And he talks about the need, if you're someone trying to care about someone else, the need to balance compassion with honesty. And, and the way he explained it was, compassion means your friend knows that you care, your friend knows that you love them, but honesty means being willing to tell the truth and being willing to ask the hard question or to say, hey, I think you need help, I think you need to go to treatment. And it's sort of this dance back and forth of like living in that tension that it's not just about loving them and it's not just about saying the hard thing, but sort of what he talked about was the need to bring both. 
because obviously you're, you're probably not going to listen to someone who doesn't like you. Like you have to feel like this person is for me. They care about me and that's where they're coming from. And the hard thing is we can't control who hears us. You could make the perfect speech. I could make the perfect speech, but you can't make the person get it. Especially as you said, if they're not, they're not even all there, you know, if they're, there's a lot going on inside of them and there's a lot of pain in the way. Mm -hmm. We can't control that, but I think we can control if we keep showing up and we keep loving them. My friend Renee is a good example. People love to make me out to be the hero as if I met her and saved her, but that's not true. Like the reality is there's people that loved her and cared about her for months and months and probably years before I met her. And they might have said and done the exact same things I did and some of it was timing. Like I, I got to be a little bit lucky and somehow she was in a space of wanting to get help. And it wasn't even getting help for the first time. And so I, I think it's important to remind people like you got to keep showing up. You got to keep telling the truth. You keep, the heartbreaking hard thing is like you can't make them take you up on it. You can't make them say yes, but you can keep showing up. And, and if you want, if your dream is that your friend gets help, uh, that your friend stays alive, that your friend finds sobriety, you can you can keep saying those things and you can do your best to learn about the resources that exist and even offer to be part of the process. If they're scared to death of making that counseling appointment, then you say, hey, I'll, I'll drive you there. I'll walk in with you. I'll sit in the waiting room. Like I'll do everything that I'm allowed to do to be a part of the process. So um, those are a few things that come to mind. Hmm. That's awesome. Um, kind of as final thoughts, what would you have to say would be the best advice just for a blanket statement for everybody? I mean, it's, it, we're, we're living in hard times and it does seem it's going to be slowing down anytime soon. So what's like the, the final kind yeah. of mentality? Um, I mean, a few things. I, I think the hope is that people wouldn't give up. There's people thinking about giving up right now. You know, there's there's headlines that say that Suicide hotlines are as busy as they've ever been. Uh, so that says the need is great and the urgency is great. And the hope would be that people would, would stay alive, would keep going, would know that they don't have to be alone, they don't have to go alone to do that, to know that there's great resources that you can turn to, that you can lean on. And so we believe in that at the top of the list. But I, I think I think a lot about hope coming as a surprise. Like when I think about my own life, um, the days I fell in love, the day my book became a bestseller, these things came out of nowhere, right? Like none of, you can't name the day you're gonna fall in love. That person walks into the room and it's fireworks. And so I think the hope is that people would stay alive to be surprised. And it doesn't mean it's all gonna be rosy or perfect, but that this life would feel worth living, that no matter who's president, no matter how bad it gets, we're still made to be loved and known and Donald Trump can't take that away, you know? We still get to be in relationships with each other and, and there's a little part of me that hopes that we might be surprised, you know? I would, we would all love if, if he proves us wrong, right? If he turns out to be a decent guy, a compassionate guy who cares about more people than maybe his campaign suggested or if he could correct some of those things. But even regardless of the election, I think my hope is just that people would, would stay alive to be surprised. 
And I hope that to be the case as well, because that's probably the best analogy than anything else. Jamie, thank you so very much. Very love on her arms, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I, this was an interview that my high school self is just rejoicing over. Um, I have a lot of individuals that, that have been working in, in this sector, and it's just so fantastic to finally sit down and talk to the one individual that would probably know the most out of anybody that I know Dude, to help us all out. It means a lot. It's an honor for me, so thank you. Absolutely. Thank you as well. So, yeah, that's our show. Um, be sure to check in um, next time. I keep saying next week, and these episodes go up in, within a day or so. So, you know, check us out. Um, go ahead, and we're going to also find your right lover in their, their arms. Try right right her her arms. okay. You got my last name, but, but the... It's a bunch of words there. Um, Absolutely. So it's, yeah. about me messing up names. So we got a website. It's our acronym. It's T-W-L-O-H-A.com. And people mm-hmm. can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, it's just the acronym as well. So at T-W-L-O-H-A. Okay. All right. And there the, the we go. You can also find them on Facebook, Twitter, and um, Tumblr. And I'm pretty sure also Instagram. Yeah, as well. pretty much everywhere that, that counts these days, yeah. Yeah, everywhere, everywhere that counts. So you know where, where to we find didn't, We never had a vine. So we missed the vine boat, but then apparently the vine boat sank. So we've got all That was probably answers. a good thing that we're going to with. But anyway, guys, go right ahead and reach out to them. They do have their counselors that will be able to reach out for help. They have a lot of different tools in which we'll be able to help you out as well um, as individuals. And I cannot wait to see how much more work is going to be done for, for you guys. Thank you, man. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, Tune in next time, guys. We'll see you around. Um, Stay good to yourselves and do all that you have. And I'll talk to you guys later.